0: Praise God. Well, why don't you hug a neck quickly and take a seat. Awesome. Great job, worship team, just feeling the presence of the Lord and leading us today right in the zone, right in the, right in the hearth room of God. Well, it is great to be back with you this morning, uh, back all the way from the White Mountains of Arizona in the Apache Indian Reservation. It's good to stand before you today. And here in just a moment, we're going to be receiving our tithes and our offering. Uh, but before we do that, uh, every summer we like to uh, have... Um, a representative from the Gideons International Ministry stopped by. And we've got uh, a friend today who's here with us to talk about the Gideons. How many of you know what the Gideons are? Wave at me. Wave at me. A few of you might not. Gideons, he's going to tell you about it. But they're, 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 one of their sole purposes is about getting God's Word all across the world. God's Word all across the world. And I'm excited because our church gets to partner with them every year. Or, and we get, to, we get to just rally with the cause of Christ uh, to carry the gospel around the world. And I love that, that we get to do this. And so without further ado, our guest, our friend, and our brother in Christ, Brother Bob Hayes with the Gideons is here. Let's welcome him, and let's hear the vision of the Gideon ministry this morning.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor, congregation. Enjoyed that praise so much wonderful singing and praise unto our Lord Jesus Christ Uh, I'm not here to really to lift up the Gideon ministry. I'm here to lift up Jesus Christ and what he's doing (laughs) Through faithful men and women that take the challenge to spread his word and, And give testimony for what he's done in our lives So let me share with you a young man Joplin Emerson was in school. Joplin had been on drugs, alcohol, spent most of his time drinking, high. He even got to dealing drugs. He was at school one day, and some men stood on the sidewalk in front of his school, passing out little red testaments. He took one just to be polite, with no intentions of ever picking it up and reading it. Later on, he found himself almost totally passed out with an overdose as he began to come to from it he began to wonder and meditate is there a god and is there a hell if there's a hell that's where i'm headed you know if there's a god i'm gonna ask him to reveal himself to me and i'm gonna give him 30 days to do that you see that's the mindset of the law of the world but anyway he decided that, well, if I'm going to do that, maybe I need to to quit doing some of the things that I'm doing. Maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to read the Word of God. So he started reading. He got to Matthew 7, 7, and he read where it said, ask, seek, and knock, for he who asks receiveth, he who seeketh findeth, he who knocks. It shall be open unto him. So he decided he would go to church next Sunday. So he went to one near his home. Everybody knew him. They knew him as a drug dealer, a convicted uh, criminal. And so people just kind of ignored him. He didn't find any love. He didn't find any warmth there. So the next week he decided, well, maybe I need to go somewhere where no one knows me. Of course, he had the earring, the baggy pants, football jersey on at church. So he goes to a place where he thinks no one knows him. At the end of the service, an elderly lady, Nadine Ledbetter, came over to him and says, Son, is this your first Sunday with us? He says, Yes, ma'am, it is. She says, I do hope you come back and worship with us again. So he had thought about that all week long, that this lady had invited him back to church there. So he decided that he would go back. Well, the next Sunday, the pastor just preached with power and conviction that he knew who he was talking about, that he knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and that Jesus came to forgive sin and save souls and set them free from addictions and everything else. Just what he needed to hear about Jesus Christ and his salvation. So when the service was over and he gave the invitation, Joplin came down and confessed his sin and invited Jesus into his heart. And today, Joplin Emerson is a pastor of a church, and he, he gives, gives this as a testimony to what God does to change a life. From the path of destruction to hope and eternal life. You see, some faithful men were standing on the sidewalk passing out God's word that somebody in a church just like this gave a dollar and a quarter that they could give him a copy of God's word. God spoke to him through his word to start seeking. And he did. That he, he, And he began to read that word of God and put it in his heart You see, there was a lady in a church just like this that showed him love of God and also a pastor who stood and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ with power and conviction that touched his heart, and he received Jesus Christ. And now he's leading others to the Lord Jesus Christ and showing them that same compassion and love. You see, that's what Gideons do throughout the world. We're in 200 countries of the world passing out God's word. Many places where other Christians couldn't even go on a mission trip. We can't have missionaries there. But we have camps established there in those countries and distribute God's word. And we're able to do that and help people throughout the world. Uh, You see, we've got today about 3 million scriptures that are orders that are ready to be placed we only ship as we receive the funds to ship those orders so the need is great throughout the world Um, for we have auxiliary that helps place uh, the word of god in the doctor's office dentist's office professional people's office gideons we place in schools we go to our colleges locally we go to lane to union and to university of memphis lambeth campus pass out on the campuses there. Uh, Sometimes we're in the the chapel services if it's at Union or at uh, Lane. At Memphis, we do a sidewalk distribution there. Uh, And our schools, thank God, there were a couple years here in Madison County that we couldn't get in our local schools to give our fifth graders a copy of God's Word, the best book they could ever read. Thank God that we can do that today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we, uh, I told some of the folks here that we have a blitz coming up this fall in Knoxville. Gideons from all over the country will be coming into Knoxville, Tennessee to help the local Gideons there saturate Knoxville with the Word of God. You see there's 22,000 students on campus there, not counting the other folks affiliated with the University of Tennessee. But also then the city, the fire stations, police stations, hospitals, all schools, all the places in Knoxville. So it'll be saturated. We do this periodically and go to the major cities because there's not enough local Gideons to do it. We also do international blitz uh, where we go to Kenya, Nicaragua, other countries of the world, and distribute God's word. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it says... God says this about his word. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please and prosper whereunto I send it. You know, and God sends his word, and he's the one who stands by it. It's the only book that man can ever read where the author is always present with him. The author is always there talking to people and visiting with them. As they begin to read God's word. That's not true of any other book. And that's why it's powerful. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of bone and marrow. Soul and spirit. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts of man. You see, uh, you might be wondering, well, what can, what can I do personally? The number one thing you can do for the Gideon ministry is to pray us as we go. We go to the jails, uh, penal farm, and annex here in the local county as well. Every week, some of the Gideons are there asking people if they want a copy of God's Word. We share with them, give our testimony, share with them the Word of God, read the Word of God with them, minister to them. You know, Jesus is the one that sets the captives free. And many of the people are captive to addiction, to alcohol, drugs, other things gambling, but we've got the solution to all the man's problems that he may face. So we go there, we're able to give him a copy of God's Word with your help. Uh, so pray for us as we go. Pray for us as we distribute words with the Word of God, pray for each copy that we place. The another way that you can help us is through uh, the get in card program. We, I've got some on the table back here. We have a, an in-memory card and in recognition card and a thinking of you card. You send that card to the family of someone who may be deceased, and you give how many ever Bibles that the Lord lays on your heart? But we use that money then to place Bibles. With. They're $5 each. You can place a Bible like this in a hotel room. Elliot Oswit was a young man He was on alcohol. His wife kicked him out on Christmas Eve. He checked into a hotel room. He began, saw the word of God there on the table. He took his hand, flung it across the room against the wall, wanted nothing to do with it. But a little later on, as he began to sober up, he walked over there and picked it up, and he opened it up, and it said, My peace I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. He needed some peace in his life right then. He was life was in turmoil. The more he read, and he realized he needed that peace, he accepted Jesus Christ. He had that peace. He went back, told his wife to forgive him, that he had wronged her, and asked her to forgive him and receive him back. She did. He was back with his family, and today Elliot Oswitt is a Gideon and he gives his testimony for the power of God's word. Uh, he's just one example. <laughs> Dr. Thomas in Savannah had a similar experience in a hotel room. Uh, he had, was going on vacation to Hilton Head. His wife and family asked him could they come along, and he was really intending to go down there and drink and do some, have some fun with his buddies. So he reluctantly agreed for them to go. Uh, they wound up going with him. And uh, he told them he, that he had the meeting, that he needed to attend. So they went to the beach, and he saw him walk out to the beach, but there was a copy of God's Word laying there on the table. He looked at God's Word, looked at his family. He knew, and he w- walked over. Instead of going downstairs and drinking, he walked over and started reading God's Word. Wound up dropping to his knees between the beds in that hotel room and received Jesus Christ. Today, he's a Gideon in Savannah, Tennessee. And he does this speaking. That's the power of God into salvation for sure. So uh, so you can pray. You can help us by giving memorial Bibles, that are place Bibles, giving in a service like this. We also have youth pastors can get this life book that goes into schools. The kids can take it into schools and uh, give this to the other kids in school and use it as a witnessing tool uh, in school. So that's another way. You can become a friend of the Gideons as well. Go to www.gideons.org, and there's a place there. Uh, Visit that site. There's great testimonies of the work that the Gideons do throughout the world. You've got a bulletin today. Uh, In this bulletin, there's an opportunity for you to to give as well. There's some testimonies in here, and it tells you more about how you can support the ministry of the Gideons. Uh, It's been my privilege to be a get in almost 20 years now, and worship with other men, praise the Lord, give glory to God, and see what he does through this ministry. Um, we meet uh, every Saturday morning, if you want to check us out, we meet at the Old Country Store, 7 o'clock, we have a time of prayer, uh, and also the third Monday night, we meet same place, Old Country Store, so if the uh, Lord pray, and if the Lord's leading you, become a part of the ministry that spreads the word of God, uh, then come and join us. Uh, let me share one other testimony with you. Uh, Arterio Laredo's cousin came to him and told him, said, you know, I'll give you $3,000 if you'll help me take some drugs into the U.S. He lived in Mexico at the time. So he stored the marijuana. They packed it in cars to get it across the border at El Paso. He did it got the $3,000. The following November, his cousin came to him and said, I need your help again. We need to get some more drugs in. Unfortunately that for him, that time, he got picked up, but it turned out to be fortunate for him because he got placed in uh, prison where he spent five years. Some Gideons came there, gave him a little blue testament in his own language. He began to read that testament. And he accepted Jesus Christ. And instead of marijuana stored in his house now, you know what Arterio has in his house? Gideon Bible stored there for his camp. He's now Gideon. He started his own business. God has blessed him. And today he stores and distributes God's word. That's the power of God's word to change a life from a drug transporter into a Bible transporter. Praise the Lord. Thank you, church, for allowing me to share some of the things that God is doing. Pray for us. Keep us in your thoughts and prayers. Thank you, pastor, for letting us come.
0: Praise God. How many of you appreciate the Gideon's ministry this morning? Good stories. And I know there's a lot more. And you know, that's a great thing, church, is is when we um, do our part and do what we can, then we're touching lives, not only right here, but we're touching lives all around, all the way down in El Paso, Mexico border, and around the world. That God pays attention to that stuff, and he honors that, and he blesses that. So, thank you, Brother Bob. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Thank you. Let's give him another hand. All right, well, we're going to uh, take a moment now. We're going to receive our regular church tithes and offerings. And also, in this same time as we collect this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to ask that if you can, sow a seed, a financial seed, into the Gideons. You can, If you're writing a check, you can make it to the church. The church is going to do one thing and send it to the Gideons ministry, okay? If you want to give electronically using your debit card after I pray, you can go to the back table at the giving table there, and see Dan, and he will help uh, make sure it goes through for you as well. And, um, and if you didn't have anything today planned to give uh, but you want to later, then you can go on our church's website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, and you can go through that route as well. Okay? So we're going to um, give this morning. Let's, uh, let's prepare to do that. And as uh, Brother Bob noted out, you have a a bulletin that you can take home, informational bulletin to take with you. And we're going to keep their information with us as well uh, at our guest and connect table for our church to have periodically uh, for you to look at, take, and uh, pray for and remember them in prayer as they they go across some dangerous lines. And so uh, let's remember that. Let's pray. God, we honor you today. And we are thankful for your presence. We don't take that For granted, we are thankful that you're here with us today. As Brother Bob pointed out, that you are the only author that goes with the book that's been written. No other author can do that, but your voice travels all around, speaks to hearts, changes lives. And God, that's what we desire today as we give our tithe, our offering, and our love offering into the Gideon's ministry today. I pray you would bless it. May it go forth and accomplish your kingdom's cause in our lives, and around the world. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen. Let's give, and Pastor Haley's coming to give our announcements for the week.
2: All right. In August, we have a um, back-to-school Sunday coming up on the second Sunday in August. Going to have a lot of good things planned for that. Pray over our kids. They're getting ready to go back to school. If y'all didn't know that, I hate to be the one to tell you that, but you're getting ready to go back to school. And so we want to send you off right as your church body. So I believe that's August the 14th, yes. And then in September, I'm really looking forward to, we're planning to go to the Joyce Myers Love Life Conference in St. Louis, the end of September. You can go online to JoyceMeyer.com and check out the information about that conference and actually register on your own for the conference but we have hotel rooms booked so we can all stay together and travel together, and you can sign up for that um, here at the information table if you would like to go with us to that. Um, check out our church's website for any other information. Stay informed. Now it's time to dismiss our amazing children to go to New Life Kids. And y'all, give some love to each other.
0: Things moving along this morning. We're gonna get ready to get in God's word. Who's ready for God's word today? All right. (laughs) Excited to hear that. Let's find our seats. And um, I've asked my uh, stand-in double today. Uh, He just forgot to shave, so uh, I forgot to let it grow back out. So uh, next time. Yeah, next time. To uh, (laughs) to take my spot this morning. And um, uh, and so anyway, this is Brandon Bailey. You guys know Brandon, Mariah Bailey, the Bailey family. And uh, Brandon's been a part of our church now for over 12, 12 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh, and so um, so he doesn't get this opportunity often. Uh, he said he only take an hour and a half, so that's pretty good, right? Uh, I'm just just kidding. So uh, anyway, but let's uh, let's give Brandon our time, our attention, and devote ourselves to listening and hearing and learning from God's word this morning. Amen. Let's welcome Brandon.
3: Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, good morning.
4: Uh, thanks for coming today. A uh, few people got wind of the fact that I was preaching in skip town. Um, I've taken their names down. I'll, I'll deal with that later. Uh, but I appreciate your, you being here today. Um, so today... Um, well first, what, a, what an amazing time of worship this morning. Thank you Jake and team. We appreciate that. Um, it's always so good to just get in the house of God and just, and just worship. And, and, and so good to hear about the Gideon's ministry. It really kind of ties into my message today about uh, the good work that y'all are doing in this city. We appreciate that, and it's an inspi- inspiration to us. So today, uh, I want to actually talk all about Jackson. Jackson, Tennessee. Y'all, y'all ready to talk about Jackson with me? This, I'm a transplant myself from, from Illinois. I'm so Yes, I'm a Yankee. I didn't realize that until I came down here. I thought I was from the South, uh, Southern. <laughs> Illinois, we were, you know, we talked like y'all, and, but I didn't realize I was actually a Yankee, so anyway, moved to Tennessee 12 years ago actually now, and at one point we thought we'll probably end up back in Illinois, uh, but God just kind of showed us, like, I've, I've planted you here. Uh, so I'm a transplant, my wife, she's from Illinois as well, now my kids are, they're purebred Southerners, um, we got the accent to prove it. Uh, So, we're glad to be in Jackson, we really have a heart for the city, and that's what I want to talk about today, is I have a burden uh, for our city right now, and I believe that each of us uh, are here for a purpose in this city, in this place, in this time, whether you're a transplant like me, or whether you were born and raised in this area, Uh, and I believe that our church is here for a purpose. So, especially in light of recent challenges that our nation is facing, uh, we've all, I'm sure, watched the news, seen the the papers, uh, the headlines. You just never know. next time you turn on the news, you're afraid to see what what you might see. Uh, So there's a lot of violence, a lot of racial tension in our country right now. And in light of that, um, I want to make a case today uh, for biblical transformation in our city. Now, we can take everything I say today, we can take it, you can apply it, whether you live in the country, like the Calhouns, or like where I used to be from, or whether you live in Nashville, or Lexington, wherever you are, you can apply it there. And We can apply all this to a national level, and that's certainly great. But today, really what I want to focus on is where we are right now in this city, in Jackson. I believe if we are salt and light here in this place, uh, and, if, and if all the believers across the country just took ownership of being light in their cities, we'd see revival. Amen? Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's, let's talk about Jackson. Y'all forgive me. <clears throat> Sinist issues is uh, something that comes with Tennessee, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> dealing with that this morning. So let's talk about Jackson. I want to share a few stats, a few statistics on Jackson. We've got around 67,000, over 67,000 people from what I, the data that I saw. Um, our crime rate is about twice as high as the state average. Uh, I could get into detail on that, but it's just kind of like, ugh. Um, every, every city has a problem with, with crime, and Jackson certainly uh, does as well. We've got over 4,000 people unemployed in Jackson. We have over 600 who check into drug and alcohol rehabs uh, every year. 600 people. And and I would guesstimate if that's kind of a small number, but 600 of our own residents. We have more who come to Jackson for treatment from other areas. Uh, There was a U.S. religion census in 2010, and over 20,000 people claimed no religion. In Jackson in the Bible Belt yet nearly 44,000 claim to be evangelical Christians and there's around 200 churches in Jackson I don't know about you but to me those last two statistics should have some kind of a bearing on those other statistics I just read right but that's what this message is about so we believe in God's power to change lives right or else we probably wouldn't be here today I mean each of us have experienced God's touch in our own heart in our own life you talk about that on an individual level we've got no problem believing that we've seen it happen we've seen the transformation and it's a miracle it's amazing to see somebody's life completely changed uh for instance we we heard these stories that, that you provided sir thank you for those but some of you may not know that I too could tell the same kind of story, that I was hooked on drugs and alcohol as a teenager, that I had to retake my senior year in high school because I flunked out, went from an A, a and B student to F's and, and never showing up for class. But it was God's power of transformation in my life. When I when rededicated, when I just surrendered to him on a balcony in North Carolina and gave my life over to him, and then the rest has been, been history that he's making with me. So, we believe in that. We have no problem with that, and it's awesome. And we want to see that. But, I want to challenge us today. Do we believe in that same transformational power in your whole family? In your neighborhood? In your whole city? Nothing is impossible for God. That same power for change... Let's believe in that for our city. For example, Jonah, although he was reluctant, he preached in the city of Nineveh. He walked through telling him this city is going to be overthrown. I forget how many days it was going to be until it happened. And Nineveh was a wicked city. A very pagan city. Much larger, at least over twice the size of Jackson. And you remember what happened? Nineveh Repented and their king called for a fast across the whole city. The whole city transforms. They turn to God. And God relented and spared the city. You now, what happened next? Jonah went up on a hilltop and was mad about the whole thing. He actually complained to God about it. He was like, just take me. I'm, just, just, I'm done. He, he, he felt like Nineveh was so bad that it should just be leveled out. He would have been happy to see that. But God told them, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city? God cares about the city. God cares about Jackson. And as I see it, we all have a part to play in that. And I'm thankful for that. God uses his people... To accomplish his work. Now, he can. if we don't do it, he'll find somebody else who, who will. You know, we're not so vital to his plan that he can't get things done. I mean, he'll, he's God, right? But I'm thankful that we get to play a part. So let's talk about our part. i want going to talk about, I've got three steps to fulfilling God's purpose in this city. Three steps to fulfilling God's purpose. If we can turn to Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. We're going to start in verse 4. And this is going to be our main text today. Um, So if you're just going to hang out there. So let me set this up. This is during a time when the the Israelites have been taken into exile in Babylon. So it's King Nebuchadnezzar who's taken them into exile. They're in in captivity. It's not all of them, but a a very large group of of Israelites. Uh, Ultimately, they end up there for 70 years in Babylon. captivity. So here they are in exile in Babylon, a city that's not exactly known for its righteousness, right? This is Babylon. It's a city of idols. Its name actually means gate of gods. That's not a good sign, right? Gate of gods. Uh, It's the place where Daniel would be thrown into the lion's den. It's the place where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or, as my sister said when she was a kid, Shadrach, Meshach, and Curly. She got them mixed up with the Three Stooges. <laughs> this is a place where they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to, to worship the giant golden statue. That was all in, in Babylon. Um, so here's God's chosen people, the elect, his, his pride and joy, his people, living in captivity in Babylon, and the Lord gives them some commands through the prophet Jeremiah. It's a letter that he sends, and this is where we're going to find our three commands for fulfilling God's purpose in this city. So, let's see what he says. Let's see what he told them. In verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, he tells them this, Build houses, and live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Take wives, and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters. Are you confused yet? There's a lot of layers there, some generations. And multiply there, and and take note of this, do not decrease. So the first command that God gives the Israelites is to have a presence in the city. So the first command is presence. In other words, he says, settle in. Get involved. Don't shrink back from community. I want you to have a presence in Babylon. God had a purpose for them while they were there. Now the temptation, you can imagine, for the, for the Israelites, here they are, are in the gate of the gods, this pagan culture, not, probably not that much different from where we are today, right? And their temptation is, ugh, let's stay, stay away from these people. Let's do, keep to ourselves. Let's do our own thing. Let's live in a bubble. As Christians, we sometimes have the tendency to do the same thing. Am I right? Uh, I mean, more and more, as this world gets to be a scary, messed up place, uh, we want to pull back. We want to live in isolation. It's, it's We want to live in a bubble. It's safer. It's easier, right? I, I'm reminded of that p- picture of... Uh, maybe. Hopefully you all have seen this, or else you'll, you won't get this. You'll think I'm silly, but... That picture of the ostrich with his head in a hole in the ground? You all remember that picture? It reminds me of that. That's the temptation. Uh, We've all probably been guilty of it at times. Uh, I, I know I have, and, and God's convicted me of that. Who, who do you know in your life who's unsaved? Who are you connected with, who you're able to minister to? Last week, uh, Thomas talked about uh, having mentor relationships, where you ha- you're being mentored by someone, and then there's also someone else that you're feeding into, that you're helping along the way. So we're saved to have an impact, in the lives of others. And, and that's going to happen more likely through the relationships that God brings into our lives. So we each have our own sphere of influence. And just take a moment to think, where's your sphere of influence? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's within your extended family. Maybe it's at your school or through your child's school. Maybe it's in your neighborhood and community. Where's your sphere? We each have one. Also, think back to the relationships that God used to bring you to Christ. Now, I have a few I'm very thankful for. And think of the relationships that God is currently using to build you up and to keep you going. It makes a difference. So these kinds of benefits and blessings just don't happen without intentional relationships. So we don't shrink back. We don't decrease in the land, but increase. Now I want to give a little bit of balance here because in some churches even across the country, they've taken that to the extreme of bending their values and, and biblical truth for the sake of, Being welcomed into the community. And and that's not at all what what God wants, what we're going for. As Pastor John Piper writes, he said it best like this. So I'm going to quote him. He says, We will do the most good for this world (coughs) by keeping a steadfast freedom from it. In other words, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We will serve our city best by getting our values from the city that is to come. That's out of Hebrews 13, verse 14. We will do our city the most good by calling as many of its citizens as we can to be citizens of God's kingdom. So we don't blend to the point of being unrecognizable. Right? We don't sacrifice our values and our faith to blend in, but as Pastor Thomas, you set me up last week, we live boldly. When he started preaching that last week, I was like, Set me up, thank you. I didn't, even t- I didn't even ask him to do that. But that's, it. that's how God works, right? Uh, what we live, we should live our faith boldly. We should live out loud. Uh, we should be ambassadors of Christ. This applies at home. It applies in the workplace. It applies in the community. Being ambassadors of Christ is not always easy. But it's about being salt and light. So settle in. Get involved. Don't shrink back. Have a presence in the community. Be salt and light in a world that desperately needs what you have, Jesus. I love that that ver- or that uh, saying that you might be the only Bible, unless there's a Gideon around. You might be the only Bible that some people read, right? All right. So that was the first command that God gave to fulfilling His purpose in the city, and that was presence. The second is peace-seeking. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Verse 7 in Jeremiah 29, he goes on to say, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. I want to talk about that word there, welfare. Now, that's gotten a bad rap over the years. When When we say welfare, we're usually thinking, people think, well, we're talking about the welfare system, we're talking about food stamps, things like that. But Webster's definition is simply this the state of doing well, especially in respect to good fortune, happiness, well being, or prosperity. And many biblical translations, and yours might say this, might translate that word to peace. So, peace seeking. So, we should be seeking the well being, the happiness, the peace, and prosperity of our city. So, how do we do that? No, really, I'm asking, how do we do that? No, I'm kidding. Um, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of books out there on community development and being involved at various levels, and it get, you know some of that stuff gets pretty technical. I I like to just wrap it all up in, in this phrase: be a good neighbor, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? He wrapped it up: be a good neighbor, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I used to think this was a term that just meant the people that lived on either side of me. These are my neighbors, right? Uh, but Jesus shows that it's so much more. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to have it up here. 10.25 is where we start. And this is where Jesus gives the real deal on what it means to be a neighbor. And th- this savvy lawyer tries to find a loophole, like lawyers, most lawyers do. Uh, n- nothing against lawyers. But uh, he tries to find a loophole. And he asks Jesus, he's like, Teacher, how do you gain eternal life? And, but Jesus, clever guy that he is, he answers him with a question. Don't you love that when you ask somebody something and they answer you with another question? And you're like, I just want to answer. You know, what Jesus like? Put it back on him. And Jesus says, Well, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? So he's making him think. And the lawyer says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Greatest commandment, right? And your neighbor as yourself. Second greatest commandment. All of the law, all of the prophets, hangs on those two things. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Well, that seemed like a pretty hard call to answer to that lawyer, so he tries to justify himself, and he says to Jesus, well, well was my neighbor? And so here's Jesus' response. And in this time, instead of giving a straight answer, he gives him a story, which teaches so much more. He says, and this is the Good Samaritan. You all are familiar with this. So let's read that. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. He came to him, he bandaged his wounds, Pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii. I may not be saying that right, that right. Okay. And gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Man, that's just a good guy. Which of these three, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to this man who fell on the robber's hands? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy towards him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. That's being a neighbor. So the Levite and the priest, what happened here? They valued religion over mercy and love. You see, if they would have... Helped this man, who was obviously bloody and stripped of his clothing, they would have religiously been considered unclean. Now, there was provisions in the law for them to be cleansed. But to them, it was more important to them to just not have to deal with all that and stay on the other side of the road. So they avoided him. They were selfish, thinking of themselves, and wouldn't risk becoming unclean. Now, I'm going to make a confession. I, too, have been guilty of weighing the consequences when we're trying to help someone. When faced with an opportunity to help others, sometimes I think, how is this going to affect me? Or I look at my watch, do I have time for this interruption? How is this going to affect my bank account? How is this going to affect my family and my schedule? And there have been times, too, when I've been guilty of passing by on the other side of the road just to avoid the issues. And that's easy to do. Out of sight, out of mind, right? But just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. I'd encourage all of us, myself included, take a drive through East Jackson sometime. Periodically. Take a drive through Lincoln Court. You might want to do it when it's daylight and not Friday night, but take a, take a drive. See what's in our city. See what people deal with. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So here comes the Samaritan. <coughs> the Samaritan was hated by the Jews. It's really cool that Jesus used the Samaritan to try to break some of these molds that the Jews had at the time. Uh, so they were hated by the Jews largely because they were, raci- they were biracial. They were racially mixed people between pagans and, and the Jews. And they also didn't practice Judaism the way that the Jews would prefer. They, they, didn't, they had a di- kind of a diff- few different uh, rules, different ways that they handled things. So the Jews, to the Jews, they were an unclean people. Now for the Jews, the, the sense of a neighbor was just an, a fellow Jew. Right? And Jesus, obviously, as he's coming on the scene, he's breaking those molds, and he's right. the gospel's not only going to the Jews first, but it's going to the Gentiles. Well, he's doing the same thing here with the story, and showing that the Samaritan was the good neighbor. So although the Samaritan was less than, considered less than, the Jews, he went out of his way to be a neighbor, showed love and mercy. Showing that even though that there are no limits, on responsibility towards others in need. Amen? There's no limits. The Samaritan sacrificed his time, his energy, his possessions, his money for someone who was in need. And that's how Jesus defines being a neighbor. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I sure need a neighbor like that. And, and, and I'll tell you, my wife and I have experienced it, at times when people have shown their love, and their support, and just been a neighbor to us, thank you. It's made a difference in our lives. And I've grown to realize that we need each other. Amen? We, don't, we were never designed to live in isolation. So we use wisdom. We do what God leads us to do. But be open to his leading. And I'm going to quote Thomas again. Don't let it go to your head. Get to a place where you feel bold enough and free enough to do what the Lord wants you to do. Now maybe you're thinking that you don't have much to offer others. But you do. Because being a good neighbor can be so many different things. Being a good neighbor is letting the other driver emerge in traffic and keeping your road rage at bay. It's telling someone in the parking lot that you dinged their door instead of frantically trying to get to the other side to park somewhere else before they come out. (laughs) We've we've all probably had that happen. It's pretty frustrating. Uh, Being a good neighbor is sharing the gospel to someone in need. Right? Being a good neighbor is checking on your elderly neighbor and bringing the kids down the street to church. It's letting, it's getting to know the people on your block, and lending them a helping hand. But maybe some of you can help me out here. To tell us more about what being a good neighbor is, Angelique, can you help? You get there. I'm sorry. That helps. Thank you.
2: Okay. Being a good neighbor is not just who you live by. It means opening up your heart and your home to your family and not necessarily your biological family, but your church family and your friends also and speaking life into your family and allowing them to do the same for you and praying for each other and caring for each other also. That's
4: good. Thank you.
0: Being a good neighbor is uh, is being welcoming. As most of you know, Megan and I are uh, recent additions here, and from the first Sunday, we uh, all we felt was love. Um, this is one of the few places I've walked into, and my guard came down. I didn't let it down, and uh, we have to show that to everybody in every circumstance, in every situation. Amen.
4: Amen. Amen. Being a good neighbor. Is Christina? Can you stand?
2: I think in our case, one of the biggest, the biggest examples was when we were in the hospital, with Micah,
3: mm. and we were lonely, and our small group brought church to us.
4: That's good. Amen. Thank you. Being a good neighbor. I guess I don't need this. Being a good neighbor makes a difference. Being a good neighbor. We just saw it right here. In our own church body, it makes a difference. and I could, I could keep going. We could, we could keep passing the mic, because there are stories to tell. Being a good neighbor, what is it to you? It's being connected. It's being connected. And by the way, it starts here in the church. It should happen here first and then be taken outside these walls because Jesus said, you don't put a light under a basket. You, don't put, a, you, you put it on a lampstand for all to see. He says, don't hide me away. I'm not a secret to be kept private, but a gift to be shared. I want to change your life and your life and your life but I don't want to stop there because I want to change your family. And I want to change your block. I want to change your neighborhood, but I'm not done yet. I want to change your city. It's my will that none should perish, but that all would be saved. And guess what? I've given you a part to play. You're not just a bystander in this. You're a participant. Be a neighbor. Be a friend. But oh, what a difference it can make. Amen? So do not decrease. Don't shrink back from community. Have a presence. Live boldly. Boldly Seek the peace, the welfare of your city. I'm going to have to move things along. Alright, last, last step. Step number three. The third step to fulfilling God's purpose uh, in the city. You can if you want to, thank you. I'm not used to all that. The third command that God gives us in Jeremiah 29, if we can get that up here, verse 7. He says, seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf. It's the power of prayer. And it cannot be underestimated. And I I don't know if there's any that I could say today that would do justice for, for prayer. Except to say that I think it's underestimated. Too often. But I know this, and Pastor Jeremy already said it, It already set me up for it, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, My people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There's power in prayer. I'm going to tell you today, your prayers may be the only thing holding back the violence that we've seen in this country from Jackson, Tennessee. We don't see all that, but there's a spiritual battle going on. And prayer is our greatest weapon. It may be the only thing keeping someone warm. Well, right now, you're pretty warm wherever you go, but it may be the only thing keeping someone fed at night in this city. It may be the only thing helping battered women getting out of violent situations. Spiritual warfare. Oswald Chambers said this, at most for his highest. He says, We tend to use prayer as a last resort. But God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Prayer is that foundation, it undergirds all the rest of this message. Now it doesn't mean we should just pray, but we should pray and then do what God's commanded, seek the welfare of the city. So what I've done for you today, it was on my heart, if you'll look under your seat. Now, if I, if I was Oprah, you'd look under your seat, there'd be car keys there. Uh, but I'm not Oprah, if you hadn't noticed. So, what I have is even better, though. It's a prayer guide for our city. Uh, for Jackson. Now, on one half of it, you'll see the days of the week, and there's, there's a prayer that we can all pray over our city to each week, each day of the week, and just cycle it. On the other side, I developed a list of just things that were on my heart. It's not a complete list. There's so much more that our, that our city face, faces. But you're going to see issues that our city faces. And these are things just to get you started, just to get you praying for our city, give you a jump start. And many of you already, already do this kind of stuff, and thank you, but let's, let's keep it up. Unless you, you can use this list for that. Let's wrap Jackson in a blanket of prayer. Amen? Let's wrap it. Blanket of prayer. We're going to have an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. Um, But first, I want to just kind of wrap some things up before we do. The very end of this passage in Jeremiah 29 says, Seek the welfare of the city. So we're doing that through presence, through peace-seeking, and through prayer. But in verse 7, he says at the end, For in its welfare you will have welfare. Or in it, if, you want, if you want to translate it peace, in its peace, you will have peace. The truth is, ultimately, as we pursue God's favor for our city, for our community, we will be ensuring a better home for ourselves and for our children. Amen? We will benefit if our city benefits and have God, God's favor. Do you all know the meaning of the name Jackson? Anybody? Thomas? It means it's a Scottish name, Scottish. And it means God has been gracious, has shown favor. That's what Jackson means. I think it's time we call in the meaning behind the name Jackson of our city. New Life Church, it's time to seek God's favor for Jackson. It's time to seek the welfare of the city. So, what we're going to do now, we're going to break into, if you'll all just stand with me, we're going to have some time to pray. And once we're done praying, don't take off. Pastor Jeremy's going to come up. He's going to dismiss us, and there'll be a chance for prayer. If you need anything, if you need to come up for prayer, um, come on up. We'll pray with you. Um, But what we're going to do is, I want you to just get in small groups with the people around you, however big it is, four, five, six, whatever, and I want you to form a circle, and I want you to pray for your neighborhood. Let's let's do it now. Let's put this in action before we even get out of these doors. I want you to pray for your neighborhood. I want you to, if there's neighbors that you know or don't know, call them out by name if you know them. Uh, Pray for them. Pray for specific issues that you know are going on in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city. Uh, And let's just lift them up. Let's cover Jackson in a blanket of prayer today. Amen.
5: I give like Every breath that I take Every moment
0: come on let's celebrate right now let's thank God let's thank God you know one of my one of my mantras is my theme is a church that prays together stays together and a church that stays together grows together amen and God wants to use New Life Church we're just one of the 200 plus you know if you do the math 67,000 people in the city of Jackson with 200 churches. That should be at least 335 people in every church. We we still got a little ways to go. We're gonna we're gonna claim those people. Amen. We're gonna move forward for that. And prayer makes the difference. Take your. I pray that uh, you will take these uh, this bulletin insert with you as you go today. Uh, and those uh, any extras we have, when Brandon can get us more, we'll have these available at our connect. Table back there for for our church uh, for the coming weeks to keep as we continue uh, along this theme of praying and I've uh, got going to gonna close out the service with our benediction but I'm going to do it a different way uh, so if you don't mind to pull that up and I'm gonna I'm just going to ask you to agree with me I'm, wherever it says you and things like that and you are I'm going to say Jackson is that cool with y'all and just just agree with me in that and. I might fumble across it, but I'll try. All right. The Lord is blessing Jackson by constantly bringing good into this city's life. The Lord is keeping Jackson so the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross is guarding all that is sacred and precious about Jackson. The Lord is making his face to shine upon Jackson and is gracious to Jackson by having his glory always shine in Jackson's life. The Lord is lifting up his countenance upon Jackson by always letting Jackson know that he is fully present and he is self-giving to the city of Jackson. The Lord is giving Jackson peace, unthreatened and undisturbed peace. And Jackson's soul, the people, they're feeling its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as part of Jackson goes out today amen amen praise god great teaching brandon implement that into our regular core of things that we say from the pulpit very good leadership and discernment of god's word of the times to help encourage us as god's people